like ashes in the wind. So, so long to my old friends. Burden and bitterness, you can just keep it moving. Nah, you ain't welcome here. Hallelujah, Jesus. From now till I walk the streets of gold, I'll sing of how you saved my soul. This wayward son has found his way back home. He picked me up, he turned me around, he placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the master, I thank the savior, because he healed because my he healed heart. My heart. Change my name forever free. I'm not the same. I thank the master. I thank the savior. Oh, I thank God. Hallelujah. I feel like we could do better in here this morning. Hallelujah. I know we're still waking up, but we could give God some praise. Hallelujah, Jesus. Bless the love one. I am free. I am free. I am free. Hell lost another one. I am free. I am free. I am free. Hell lost another one. I am free. I am free. I am free. Hell lost another one. I am free. I am free. I am free. I am free. Hell lost another one. I am free. I am free. I am singing, hell lost, hell lost another one. I am free, I am free, I am free, I am singing, hell lost, hell lost another one. I am free, I am free, I am free, I am free, I am hell lost, hell lost another one. I am free, I am, I am free. Oh, he picked me up, he picked me up, he turned me around. Place my feet on solid ground. I thank the master, I thank the savior. Because he healed, because he healed my, heart. my heart. He changed my name. Forever free, I'm not the same. I thank the master, I thank the savior. I thank God. Hallelujah, Jesus. How many believes he can do it for you? Hallelujah. If he did it for me. He can do it for you. Hallelujah, Jesus. We bless your name. Oh, if he did it for me, he can do it for you. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. You say, get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave.
testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy. That means what he did for another, he can do it again. That means what he did for another, he can do it again. The testimony of Jesus, that's the spirit of prophecy. That's the spirit of prophecy. That's the spirit of prophecy. That means what he did for another, he can do it again. That means what he did for another, he can do it again. So we say, get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Okay. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Okay. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. We bless your name. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Turn me around. Place my feet on solid ground. I thank the master. I thank the Savior because he healed my heart, changed my name, forever free, I'm not the same. I thank the Master, I thank the Savior, I thank Christ alone, our chief cornerstone, no other foundation can we build upon, not philosophy, nor the wisdom of man, all other ground is sinking sand. Upon this rock, you build your church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. When we bind and loose, we proclaim your truth, and in Jesus' name, we will not fail, never fail, no. We won't fail. Crucified, raised up from the dead. Let captivity captive, it is finished. Oh, he gave us the keys, his authority. Now we join in, 
praise of his glory, glory. Upon this rock, you build your you church. Build your church. When and the, the gates of hell will not prevail.
That's a direct message to us here this morning. Keep walking. Keep preaching. Keep singing. For the gate. Hallelujah. 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 We love you, Jesus. We honor you this morning, oh God. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, let's give the Lord a round of applause if you can this morning. Hallelujah. Let's just lift our hands and just thank him this morning. Hallelujah. We thank you this morning, Jesus, for your mercies and your love. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Thank you, praise and worship team. The Lord bless you. You may be seated for a few minutes. Amen. We want to take this time to welcome everyone in the house of God this morning. Amen. A beautiful spirit of worship is in this place this morning. Keep on preaching. Keep on walking. Whatever you're doing for the Lord, don't stop doing what you're doing for the Lord. Amen. 
we greet you all. We welcome you. We thank you for being here this morning. Amen. Praise God. I want to greet the Dibbers this morning. So honor to have them in our midst. Amen. You've been a blessing to us so far and everyone that is here this morning. Amen. If you have not yet listened on some of the services that we preach, uh, we had for Thursday and Friday, I'd recommend you to go to Facebook or YouTube. The sermons are there, listed there. You will certainly be blessed. Amen. Without any further ado, I'm going to ask Minister Henry. He's going to come on up, get ready for offering. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. He alone is worthy this morning. Amen. Everyone looking good this morning. Ready to hear the word of God. Amen. 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 I'm just going to move right along. I'm going to invite you to stand and get ready for your offering. The instructions are on the, the board, so you can just follow the instructions. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we honor you this morning. We lift you up this morning because there is none like you, Lord Jesus. Your name is great and greatly to be praised. It is because of you that we are here, O oh God, worshiping and coming together, O oh God, preparing for heaven. Lord Jesus, this morning we pray that you would bless us, O oh God. Bless those that have to give and those that don't have to give, O oh God. I pray that you would make a way for them, Lord Jesus. I pray, O oh God, that we, while we are here, we will listen to your word, O oh God, and we will practice them wherever we go, Lord Jesus. Lord, continue to bless us and keep us, O oh God. In the name of Jesus Christ, we say amen. Come forward with your tithes and offerings.
Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Thank you, Brother Scarlett. Always, always, as usual, bless us with the playing of the trumpet. Amen. It's so good to see everybody in the house of the Lord this morning. Looked like some folks had a hard time getting up. It's like that sometimes. What am I going to say? <laughs> Hallelujah. But we're going to stand to our feet this morning. As you know, um, we have the dibble, the dibbles with us, um, uh, the Reverend and um, Lady Dibble. <laughs> That's right, Sister Dibble. We, we, we need to make sure um, we let them know. That without you, there is no him. That's right. That's right, Sister D. You put up with all of his crazy stuff, all of his jokes that sometimes you got to hit him back with a couple of your own. <laughs> There's some good people. Amen. You know, we got to hang around good Christian folks. Sometimes we hang around, you know, the only time we hang around with Christian folks is when we come to the house of the Lord. And then when we leave the house of the Lord, we go and hang around people that are not Christians. And we don't get the full effect of what the body of Christ is all about. The body of Christ is not just all about when we come in the house of the Lord. The body of Christ is when we're, wherever we are, we're part of the body. And we ought to fellowship constantly with one another. Yes, we, we got to let our light shine. Certainly, we got to be around those who are lost so we can minister to them. But we must make sure we spend plenty of time with the believers, the body of Jesus Christ, because we add to one another. We, 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 we encourage one another. We bless one another. And so it is important that we spend time together. We learn from one another. Amen. Sister Dibble can share with my wife how she raised her kids. So my wife can say, oh, you know, and my wife the same. She can say some things that maybe Sister Dibble might not have thought about. And they share, they exchange, they talk about things. They can grow from their conversation. Same thing with Brother Dibble and I. We're talking ministry. We're talking, you know, um, life and, 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 you know, the things of God. And so you miss out on that when only time you're with the body is in the house of the Lord. Because we know when we come into the house of the Lord, it's kind of, about the Lord, right? And so our focus is on him. And most of the times when service is over, I know in this area, when service is over, we tend to make a beeline because we've got so many things going on. We don't spend enough time to fellowship after service. Um, I like being around. Um, you ever notice when we um, get around our Hispanic brothers and sisters, they have made it a standard and kind of what they practice that after church, they're always serving food. You know why that is? Yeah, you want to eat, but a lot of it is fellowship. And they've got that part real good. They got that right because they get to spend a lot of time with each other. So they always serve food after all of their services. And you're wondering again? Yes, again, because the fellowship is there and just spending time with one another. And so that's important. And so we've had a great, great few days with the dibbles they've ministered to us some of you have had a chance to talk to them and just you know fellowship with them while they were here and so we thank god for that and they do just wonderful thursday night wonderful uh friday night 
as I said, I want this entire congregation to at some point in time, if you were not present, and even if you were on Friday, you need to go online and listen to the message that Brother Dibble preached this past Friday. I believe it's a message for this church, and it's going to help us individually and collectively. So listen to those messages, and at this time, without further ado, I'm going to bring to you my friend, Reverend Thomas Dibble, in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord, everyone. Come on, let's take a moment and praise him together. Hallelujah. Let's worship him together, shall we? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I bless you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I worship you, God. I worship you, God. There is no one like you, Jesus. You're the only true and living God. We magnify you today, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We give you glory, Jesus. We give you glory, Jesus. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Psalms. We're going to turn to Psalm 103. I'm going to read verse 17. And then in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 21. It has just been a thrill for my wife and I to have been here the last uh, couple of days and worship the Lord together with you all. I feel like you're part of my family. Um, I mentioned um, Friday night, my, my only goal <clears throat> this week is to not mess up so bad that they won't invite me back again to see the new building. I want to worship with you all in that new building. I was thinking about it today as the Spirit of the Lord just swept into this place. I, I was thinking it would be nice if we had a little more room because normally I want to get out of my aisle and, and walk around a little bit and praise the Lord a little bit. And so I just pictured myself in that new building when we were worshiping the Lord just a few moments ago. Praise God. Psalm 103, verse 17 says, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him and his righteousness unto children's children. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 21 it says, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Praise God. You can be seated this morning. I want to talk to you today on this subject, No Limits. No Limits. <clears throat> Hans Lippershe is the Dutchman that is credited with the invention of the telescope. He was an eyeglass maker and 
one day he experimented with putting two lenses together and looking through them. And when he did, he noticed that the weather vane on top of the house that was in the distance appeared closer than without those lenses. And so Galileo came along one year later. He had heard what was called then the Dutch perspective lenses, and he improved on the design. Lippershey's design magnified things three times, but Galileo's design magnified things 20 times. None of the others even thought about it, but apparently Galileo was the first one to point his telescope upward into the heavens. For years, the Catholic Church taught that the earth was the center of the solar system. But Galileo and others began to understand and tell people that the sun was the center of our solar system. The Catholic Church didn't like that and they tried to kill him for years. But they had bad science and Galileo really knew what he was talking about. Galileo was the first one to talk about the Milky Way galaxy and the first one to see rings around the planet Saturn. And then there was a man by the name of Isaac Newton. Now, go back to No Limits. You're jumping the gun. I'll tell you when to put the pit in the back. Back to No There we go. There we go. I have to work with this crew. There, It's a new crew over here, and so I have to work with them a little bit. Isaac Newton, most people think of, uh, was a mathematician, but he was also a Bible scholar. This is the, the guy that had the apple fall on his head, and because of this, he developed what we know as the law of gravity. He was the first one that included mirrors in his design of the telescope and not just lenses. He improved on Galileo's design. Now all great telescopes use mirrors. It has become the standard. There have been a lot of famous telescopes throughout the years. For many years, the most famous and the largest telescope in the world was in Pasadena, California. It was housed in what was known as the Wilson Observatory. In 1905, Edward Hubble started working there at the Wilson Observatory. Hubble is credited with being the first one to see another galaxy outside of our own. They called it the Andromeda Galaxy. In 1990, the Hubble Space Telescope was launched and it drastically changed our understanding of the universe. A a solar system is planets that revolve around the sun. A galaxy is many solar systems and millions of stars. This is a picture of of our Milky Way galaxy. And I I just want to point out that somewhere, I think it's right about here, 
is where our entire solar system is. Our sun and planets and stars are just a tiny part of a collection of millions and millions of stars and other heavenly bodies that make up the Milky Way galaxy. To put this in context, it would take 100,000 light years, not years, light years to travel across from one end of the Milky Way galaxy to the other. One light year is about 6 trillion miles. Now to us that is just a number, but let me try to give you a little more context. If if you were able to travel in a space shuttle, let's say that space shuttle went five miles every second. So every second you would go five miles. It would take you 37,200 human years to travel one light year. And our galaxy is 100,000 light years across. And the Hubble found out that there are more than one galaxies that make up the universe. Now, a universe, wow, a universe is all of the galaxies together. The word universe is a compound word, uni, meaning one, and verse, meaning song. Universe literally means one song. Right now, it is estimated that from one end of the universe to the other, There are, it's some 93 billion light years in scope. Again, to us, that is just a number. But if you tried to travel that distance, you would never make it in your entire lifetime. Even if you lived to be 100 years old and traveled every day, all day, for every day of your life. In fact, if you added up all the lifetimes of every human being that has ever lived or ever will live and put them all together, you could still not make it from one end of the universe to the other end of the universe. And God made all that. You talk about world without end. Praise God. The latest estimate is that there are some 2 trillion galaxies. Nobody even really knows. It's just a guessing game. Every time they think they have a handle on it, they've come to the end. Some new technology advances and they discover what they thought was the end is really just the beginning. And it goes on further than they ever imagined. In July of this year, 
they turned on a new telescope for the first time. They, they launched it into space months prior, but it finally came online in July. It's known as the James Webb Space Telescope. It is three times the size of the Hubble. The Hubble could capture light in in two ranges, visual light and ultraviolet light. But the web can capture light in those two ranges as well as infrared light. It makes this telescope 100 times more powerful than the Hubble. Here is the first image that came from the Webb Telescope in July. This is an incredible image. And what I want you to notice is that all those fuzzy lights that you see are not stars, but they are galaxies like our Milky Way galaxy that filled the screen a moment ago. It's incredible. Again, just when we think we have come to the end of the universe, we find out it goes on further than we ever imagined. Here's another image that was just captured recently by the Webb Space Telescope. It's going to go back a little further. Or for, there it is. There it is. Um, just, just look at the the magnificence of what has been captured. I want to show you, show, show them one more, that last image there. This is called the fingers of creation. Time has proven that no matter what they invent, no matter how big the lens, no matter how powerful the mirror, there is no end to what God has created. It just keeps going on and on and on. It is a world without end. I'm preaching this morning on the subject, no limits. You and I live in a world that just loves to place limits on everything. There are speed limits and there are weight limits. And the, the, the first word almost every child learns how to say is no. I would love to meet the child that the first word they ever said was yes. But it's always no. We are born with limits again and again. We are reminded of things we can't do, places we can't go, things we can't afford. We are reminded that we all have an expiration date and there is only so much time that each of us has in this life. Limits and Fences, boundaries, barriers, restrictions, confines, ceilings. Solomon understood something about God when he said, But who is able to build him in house, seeing the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain him? 
Think about the pictures we just saw and what they represent. The Lord fills all that space. What Solomon was saying was, do you really think you can build a building that contains Almighty God? This same man in Proverbs 30, verses 15 and 16 says, The horse leech hath two daughters crying, Give, give. This is referring to the two suckers on top of every leech. One modern English uh, version says, "A, A leech hath twin daughters saying, Gimme and gimme more. The verse goes on to say, There are three things that are never satisfied. Yea, four things say not it is enough. The grave, the barren womb, the earth that is not filled with water, and the fire that saith not, it is enough. Solomon said, and uh, uh, it is still true that there are some things that are never satisfied. After all of the casualties of war and the casualties of mass destruction and after all of the funerals that there have ever been, you would think that the grave would finally say, it's enough, I'm I'm satisfied. But people keep dying every day. The grave is never satisfied. You would think that after all of the floods and rain and all of the attempts to water our grass and water the garden, the earth would say, it is enough. But no, the earth keeps drinking up the water or it will get barren. The ground is just as thirsty as it's ever been. And still it wants more water. How many know that as long as you feeding a fire it will burn up everything you throw in as long as you put another log on the fire it will burn Uh, how much coal and how much wood and other materials have been burned up over the years with fire you would think that it would be enough that fire would finally say it is enough I've reached my limit but as long as you throw another log on the fire or another shovel of coal in the stove it will burn up it is never enough Solomon understood that there are some things that have no limits we are born with limits in this life but there are things with no limits. Now here's what I spent all that time getting to this morning. Just like there are things with no limits in this world, I want you to know that there are no limits to the love and the mercy of God. That's my entire message today. I don't have a great theological thought to give you. I just want to demonstrate to you again today that there are no limits to the love and the mercy 
of God. That's what I felt God lay on my heart to tell you this morning. There's no limit to God's love. There's no limit to God's mercy. But His love is an everlasting love. And His mercy is an everlasting mercy. In fact, our scripture text today said that His mercy is from everlasting to everlasting that tells me that in spite of what you may have done in this life God's mercy just keeps reaching for you praise God perhaps that is why God designed the universe the way he did a world without end He knew that mankind would always wonder where the end was and they would keep inventing to try to come to the end of God's creation. But every time scientists think they've come to the end, they find out it goes on just a little bit further. Can I tell you that that is the same way with God's love and mercy. Every time we think we come to an end, every time we think we exhaust God's love and mercy, we find out it is a world without end. His mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. That means His mercy goes as far back into the past as I can see. And His mercy keeps on going into the future as far as we can see. His mercy just keeps on going. I'm preaching this morning no limits praise God praise God there's this great passage of scripture from the book of Ephesians chapter 3 that I want to call your attention to this morning Part of this passage contains our text. When we're thinking about limits, or rather when we're thinking about no limits, this is a great passage to consider. Beginning in verse number 16, it says that He would grant you according to His riches of His glory to be strengthened with might By his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. I I taught you what faith was on Thursday according to your knowledge of God. That's faith. Faith is not just what I hope for and what I wish will happen. Faith is what you know about God that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. This is talking about the love of God here. And Paul, the writer of the epistle to the Ephesians, is trying to get us to comprehend the love that God has for His church. He, he said, I'm, I'm trying to cause you 
to understand the 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 breadth and the the length and the depth and the height of God's love. The breadth of God's love speaks to how wide it is. How far from side to side does his love go? What does it encompass or who does it encompass? You know, I know I'm included in God's love, but is my neighbor included in God's love? I know good people are included, but are bad people included as well? I know people who are like me are included, but are people who are not like me included in the love of God? Can I just tell you that every single person is included in the love of God? Every tribe, every nation, every people, every tongue, every race is included in the love of God and I want you to know today that God loves you if you are here today and you are breathing God loves you it doesn't matter what you have done in this life it doesn't matter the color of your skin it doesn't matter if you are rich or if you are poor God loves you The length of God's love speaks to how long it will go or how far it will extend. We all know people who have strayed away from God and the question is there, can God reach them as far away as they have gone? The question is, is in the mind of the one who has strayed away. Can God still reach me? Can I tell you that as long as there is breath in their body, God can reach them if they will turn to God. As long as there is breath, there is hope. It may not seem like it. It may seem like they've strayed away a long way. It may seem like their mind is not on God. But as long as there is breath, there is hope. You may be here today and find yourself in that condition of not being exactly where God wants you to be. But I want you to know that God can and reach you today if you will look in his direction there is nowhere you can go to get away from God there's not a length that you can go to that God can't reach you if you turn around and look to God his love is an everlasting love the depth of God's love speaks to the distance Beneath the surface that it will go. How deep into the pit of sin will love reach and pick somebody up out of the clutches of the enemy and turn them loose. Some people are bound because they feel like they've done too many bad things in this life. They're bound because they feel God can't reach them this deep 
down in the pit of sin. I'm just too bad for God to still love me. Like it or not, we tend to categorize sin. Uh, Mine is not that bad, but this other guy over here, his is a little worse than he's a little deeper down than I am. It doesn't matter what you've done in this life. The love of God can reach to where you are today. Praise God. Praise God. The height of God's love speaks to the distance upward that it will travel. How high will God's love reach for me? There are those who feel their knowledge has lifted them to a higher plane than others. They feel like they know more than everyone else. They've educated themselves to the point where it seems like they know more than God knows. Can God reach the intellectual? The one who has it all figured out. You need to know today that you can't fill your brain with such knowledge that God can't continue to reach you with His love. His love knows no heights. Ephesians goes on to say, And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. I'm preaching this morning on the subject, no limits. If you study the tabernacle in the wilderness, you will see it is a very intricate and detailed place of worship. Everything was constructed down to the smallest detail. Everything was built with exact dimensions. When you went into the outer court, there was the altar. It was five cubits long and five cubits wide and three cubits high. Then there was the laver of water. It was five cubits long and five cubits wide and six cubits high. The tent that was in the middle of that great structure was 30 cubits long and 10 cubits wide and 10 cubits high. When you went beyond the first door, there was the table of showbread to your right. It was two cubits long, one cubit wide and a cubit and a half high. The most famous piece of furniture in the tabernacle was the Ark of the Covenant. It represented where the glory of the Lord was or the presence of the Lord. It was two and a half cubits long, one and a half cubits wide, and one and a half cubits high. I can go on and on and on about the dimensions of the things in the tabernacle of Moses. The Scripture gives dimensions for nearly Everything, 
But there was one thing where it did not give exact dimensions for. It was known as the mercy seat. You can study it all you want to, but this is all you will find out. It was two and a half cubits long and one and a half cubits wide. Every other thing in that tabernacle had three dimensions. How long it was, how wide it was, and how deep it was. But when you deal with the mercy seat, we know how long it was. We know how wide it was. But there are no dimensions for how thick or how deep it was. In the book of Exodus, there are 58 times in just a few short chapters where it gives exact dimensions for everything. Exact lengths and exact widths and depths are given all except for one thing, the mercy seat. The writer of the book of Hebrews understood that. In chapter 9 and verse number 5, even though he goes into great detail about all of the other things in the tabernacle, he says, and over it the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot now speak particularly. The New Living Translation says, but we cannot explain these things in detail right now. Another translation says, we can't talk about that. He was saying that I'm not even going to dare to place a limit on how far the mercy of God will go to reach for one person who is away from God the mercy of the Lord the love of God is from everlasting to everlasting praise God why did Methuselah Lived so long. He lived for 969 years. The longest man to ever live. His name means when I die, it's going to come. Genesis 5 and 25 says that Methuselah was 187 years old. When his son Lamech was born. Genesis 5 and 28 says Lamech was 182 years old. When his son Noah was born. Genesis 7 and 6 tells us Noah was 600 years old. When the flood came upon the earth. So if you add up 600 plus 182, plus 187, you get 969. When Methuselah died, the flood came. You want to know why Methuselah lived longer than anyone else 
has ever lived or ever will live because it is the picture of the love and the mercy of God. I don't care how long you live. You are never going to outlive His love. I don't care how old you are. You'll never get too old for the mercy of God. I don't care how far you stray. You will never get too far away that God's mercy can't reach you. No wonder David said his mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. It is a world without end. The Bible does not say he will remove your transgressions from you as far as the north is from the south. But it says in Psalm 103, He will remove them as far as the east is from the west. Why is that? Because if you leave here and travel west across the United States, across the Pacific Ocean, into Russia and across Russia and China and into Europe to where you come to the Atlantic Ocean and cross the Atlantic Ocean continuing to travel west you come to the eastern seaboard and you continue traveling west you'll keep going in that same direction again and again and again around the world As long as you keep going in that same direction, you're always traveling west. But if you leave here today and you travel north, up through New England, up into Canada, you'll eventually come to the North Pole. And when you reach that point and you keep going in the same direction, you take one more step past the North Pole, you're now traveling south. And go all the way traveling south till you come to the South Pole. And take one step past the South Pole, going in the same direction. You're now traveling north. So even before the writers of Scripture understood that there was such a thing as the North Pole and the South Pole, God in His Word said, As far as the east is from the west, that's how far He removes our sins from us. There's no end to God's mercy. There's no end to God's love. Stand with me. You may be asking today, How do I take advantage of God's love and mercy? Only one way. The Lord Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's only one way to God today, and that's to repent of your sins. To be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sin and to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues. Can I tell you today, I promise you, you can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost today. Before you leave here today, 
I'm talking to somebody who perhaps is not quite where you need to be in your relationship with God. That doesn't make you a bad person. That's just spelling things out as they are. Perhaps you're not exactly where you need to be with the Lord. Can I tell you today, if you just reach out to God, if you just look in His direction today, that step, that journey of a thousand steps can be made with one step for if you just take one step in his direction you're confronted with the mercy and the grace and the love of God thank you for your love thank you for your love come on these altars are open today does anybody need a touch of love does anybody need a touch of the mercy of God You can receive a touch of the Holy Ghost today. How great is your love. Oh. You can receive a touch of the mercy and the love of God today. Does anybody need Him? Does anybody need a touch today from the Lord? It can happen in just a few moments of time. I know we're going to start a service here in about 15 minutes. But in just a few moments of time, it all depends on how you release your heart. You can just open up your heart to the Lord. And in just a moment of time, God can touch you with His mercy and grace. There are no limits to His love and His mercy. Come on, all across the sanctuary. Let's reach out to it for a moment. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, I bless you, Lord. Thank you for your great love, Jesus. Thank you for your mercy, Lord. Thank you for your grace, God. When I wasn't even paying attention to you, you were looking to me, oh God. somebody that needs a touch of the love of God today. Surely there's somebody that needs a touch of the mercy of God today. Would you just reach out to him this morning? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Your mercy is from everlasting to everlasting today. Thank you, Jesus.
church, I'm going to challenge you after that message to tell you we have to learn how to receive from the Lord. I know that we believe what we hear. I know that we have faith. We have the knowledge of who he is. But I think we struggle sometimes in receiving. And I believe sometimes we struggle with receiving because we underestimate or underestimate what God will do when we surrender to him. For instance, when you hear the word of God, I've, I've spoken to many people and when they come into the house of the Lord, they feel like I can hear what the preacher is saying. And I believe it. And I believe that's the word of God. But you believe that whatever you're facing when you leave here is going to be so powerful that even if you make the decision to receive what the Lord has for you, nothing will really change. And we prove that time and time again by how we respond to the word of God. And can I just tell you, just as wonderful as you have heard this morning of how wide, how his mercy is limitless, his love is limitless, just as much as you know that and you believe that, all it takes is for you sometimes to come and kneel. It's for you to come and stand and say, God, I received that. God, I just want you to help me to just respond to that. We're sometimes thinking that we have the power to make it happen. It's probably just sometimes our nature to think that we can make it happen. And sometimes we think that we're going to be saved because we can make it happen. We're going to get to heaven because we can make it happen. But we have to get to that place to realize if he doesn't do it, it's not going to get done in our life. And if that's true, then it's just as simple as coming to the altar and kneeling or standing and says, God, I heard how your love is limitless. I heard how your mercy is limitless. And God, I don't know how to receive it. I don't know how it will work in my life. But I'm here standing at the altar. I'm here kneeling at the altar to say, help me to receive it. Help me to, to, to just take a hold of it and know that because your love is limitless, because your mercy is limitless, I know you will see me through in every situation, in every circumstance, in all that I face, in all the obstacles. I know I can face it and make it because of your love and your mercy. And we have to get to that place where we receive the word of God in that manner. Where we know, because God doesn't send a preacher to preach something to you that God don't intend on doing. If he send a man to preach this morning, there are no limits to his love and his mercy. Then he wants to demonstrate that to us. 
He just don't want you to hear it. He wants you to hear it. And then he wants you to believe it and receive it so he can demonstrate it in your life. That's what he wants to do. But just hearing it and say, wow, Brother Dibble, that was amazing, and walk out. You didn't allow God to do what he wanted to do. Because you have to receive. You have to respond. So we can't allow him to just talk to us and we refuse the part of really what he wants to do. He opens your eyes. He reveals something to you. And then he demonstrates. And if we will just respond and stop thinking that, oh, I got to be able to, you know, do something about this. Or, or I can't surrender to God today because I know something that I have to do that's quite not right. And we never stop to think, whatever that wrong is that you have to do, that you never stop and think that if you just surrender to God, he will divert it. He will remove it out of the way. He will take you around it just by you wanting him to do it. But we never say, God, will you do it? And he's not going to force anything. You have to say, God, help me. Even when you know that situation is staring you in the face, that you know, because trust me, I'm human. You know that there's things in your life that sometimes is, eh, you know it's not quite right. But you have made an excuse or you have a reason as to why right now you have to keep doing it. But you know it's not right. And so sometimes that thing stops you from doing what God wants you to do because in your mind, God, I love you and I want to do what's right, but you know my situation right now, God. And because of my situation, I have to just do this. And God wants you to know there's no limits to what he can do. So stop telling God he knows the situation. He's supposed to know the situation that you have to keep doing this because of your situation. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. God is just that powerful. His love is just that great. His mercy is just that great that if you say, I don't want to do that anymore, Lord, he will work it out and blow your mind like you've never known. There's no limits to the love of God and the mercy of God. Let's thank him today. Please, church, when you come into the house of the Lord, please, I'm begging you, when you come into the house of the Lord, I've been living for God just for a little bit to understand some things about him. He never allow his servant to preach a word as he, that he doesn't intend to confirm. He told the apostles to go and preach the gospel. And it says the Lord working with them with signs, confirming his word. So when he tells us something, he's going to confirm it. But we're not looking for the confirmation. We're just hearing and saying, oh, wow, that's awesome. But we got to look for the confirmation. And the way he confirms his word is by our response. Our response will cause him to confirm his word. But just us hearing, it's not sufficient. Be hearers as well as 
God is doing something in this church. Don't let it escape you. Don't take it for granted. Don't overlook the obvious. Get locked in. Trust the Lord. I love you. I'm so glad that God put us together. God is doing some wonderful things in all of our lives in spite of the devil trying to mess in. Listen, the devil is going to mess. He knows you're blessed, and he knows God is doing wonderful things in your life. So he will always try to stir things up to take your attention away from all of the goodness that God is showing you. Don't let him distract you. Trust the Lord. Have a great rest of your day. We have beef patties on sale. God bless you. I love you in Jesus' name. Say again. Cupcakes for you that are leaving. So uh, if you would like, stop by and get your cupcake.